Good evening, my friends. Welcome back to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation podcast. It's uh, almost 8 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. It's my first Wednesday, first day back at the office after the Labor Day um, weekend. So, listen, we had a great friggin' weekend, beautiful weather. Sam won his football game handily. I announced, Lily cheered. Got a bunch of work done around the house. Got a new coat of paint on the interior. Looks awesome. Back in the office, kicking ass, taking names today. It was a pretty good day. I'm going to tell you why. There were a few uh, interesting um, experiences that I had. First of all, I want to say that I put some points on the board for a friend. Um, a good friend, uh, husband and wife, for all intents and purposes. They... Um, think they're boyfriend and girlfriends, but they're not married, whatever the fuck, they're good friends of mine, they're my patients, and I love them dearly, I just became uh, endeared to them over the years, just good people, and they're regulars in my office, so I'm taking care of them, they look out for me, we got a good banter, and get to know these folks over the years, they're good folks. So they come back from a weekend at the shore that they don't really do too often. They had a nice three-day weekend over the holiday here. They went down to the to Jersey Shore, got some good eats, got some relaxation, just chilled out. And they come back all rested up, all ex, you know, kind of excited for the back to work, back to the schedule or whatever home sweet home <clears throat> their HVAC unit died or their AC unit wasn't working so they call up one of these big superstore super centers rather that does not just one thing like electric they do plumbing they do construction they do installed generators they do anything that involves a trade and it's kind of like a one-stop shop. I think it's a nice concept. Uh, I'm glad that there are these businesses that are in the trades are um, are thriving or doing well. But kind of the word on the street in my some of my experience has been that they bend you over essentially. So sometimes, for instance, my wife's grandma. She's like 90 years old now. Well, maybe almost a decade ago, I remember, she hired one of these super centers to come out. And they got the van with the guy in the back of the van waving to you and so friendly. And we do this, that, and the other thing. She's got a grandma faucet faucet that's leaking in her kitchen. She's a widow. She lives in a freaking house. It's too much for her to take care of. She's got a leak. Nobody, everybody else is at work. Nobody can come over and help her, nor does she want to bother anybody. So she calls uh, one of these places, and they're happy to come out. So they come out, big features to show up, maybe $80, $100. And $800 later, they replaced her faucet. It probably was a matter of just some plumbing tape, or at the very least, replacement of a grandmotherly faucet. It wasn't a fucking mowing or one of these things that's got the sensor that, you know, washes your hands for you, some out of the Jetsons. This was a fucking grandmotherly sink that was probably 30 years old, 40 years old. 
and any handyman could have fixed this for $30, including labor. 50 bucks max, right? $800. So I was concerned that my friends were going to get one of these sort of deals. I'm like, all right, be careful because I know somebody. My thing is I got a guy or a gal for everything. Um, got somebody do construction. I know somebody. Landscaper, know somebody. I told you about Shackman Willie. That he does all my odd jobs. He's coming to do some scraping and painting and caulking tomorrow. Awesome, right? Um, I got a guy that fixes appliances. He'll come out on a weekend. His day job is fixing appliances for Bosch, so he knows his shit. He'll come out and replace our heating element in our heat in our dryer on several occasions, I think, now. So it's helpful to know people, I think you could agree, have friends in various places in society because they can help you out, can save you a lot of time and money. So I got a guy who does HVAC. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. I know his family. I love his family. He's helped us out at home and at the office with HVAC repairs and on a couple couple circumstances you know he saved us thousands of dollars I would have just replaced a unit if if it was left up to somebody else who came out they told me that it was kaput I need to get a new brand new unit okay five six thousand dollars later right fuck that so my friend I was convinced he was going to take care of this couple that just arrived home from their vacation to get fucking, you know, this horrible, dropped in this horrible situation where they need to replace a major appliance, and it's still, it's 82 degrees out, and it's it's September 4th right now, so it's still, still warm, and maybe sometime soon they'll sell their home or whatever, they need functioning central air. Long story short, my friend came through, he went out and took a look at it this afternoon at my request, and $100 later, he's going to fix the part, he's going to get the thing back and up and running. What kind of victory is that? How awesome is that? It made me feel good about the people that I'm surrounded by that are prepared to, to help me if I, should I ever need it, that I could connect somebody that needed help needed a break and I got that for them they got it I was very very pleased with that um, second victory today I had a good day I had a bunch of nice patients come in took care of them everything seemed to go well despite it being the first day back hump day so a friend of mine says oh yeah you know I went to the acupuncturist the other day uh, Dr. Jane, which is a very legit acupuncturist in Lansdale. She's a an MD in China. She's an acupuncturist in the States. She's been practicing for at least a decade. And I knew her back in the day when she was just starting her practice. And we both were kind of in the, our practice infancy. We had a couple lunches. She brought a couple uh, gifts to me over the years. And just trying to be nice, trying to get maybe do some networking referrals and shit like that so very nice person and she doesn't but when you go see her she's not extremely expressive it might be processing because English is her second language 
but she speaks better and better, but she might not have the confidence that, she's not going to have the confidence in speaking English. So she's got that challenge. She's got to bridge the gap between Chinese and English. I'm sure she's made great strides. Anyway, she doesn't, when you talk to her in English, when you speak in particularly American slang or casual conversation, it takes her a while, just a couple seconds, to follow you and to process what you're saying. And so it appears like she looks at, she stares at you a little bit and tries to get what you're saying. And if she needs to, she'll ask you to repeat that. So my friend said, oh yeah, yeah, I want to see uh, Dr. Jane. And she, um, I told her, uh, you know, Dr. O, you know, Dr. Drill. And she smiled, her eyes lit up because (laughs) I don't know, I guess it was a positive experience. At the very least, it was a positive experience knowing me and, um, associating with me on a few occasions. We, we were friendly. I've been her patient, and you know we've had a couple lunches. And I, if I ever needed to refer somebody, it would be to her. So it made warmed my heart that by mentioning my name, her eyes lit up and she she felt good about me, about our experience together. That was friggin' awesome. So that makes me feel good. There's several other wins and other things that I would like to speak about. Um, I know that there is a significant hurricane that is circulating down there in the um, off the coast of Florida and our southern, southeastern United States. And I know a bunch of people who just got back from their vacations, you know, they, they went on a cruise, let's say, and they stopped in the Bahamas. I've been to the Bahamas myself. I know it's been just riddled. It was hit hard, still being hit hard by this Hurricane Dorian. And so having had my feet on the ground there and seeing, you know, experiencing these people and having eaten there and and gone doing some touristy things there. I know that tourism is their primary source of income. And so I hope that they're able to rebuild quickly and get people back on the shore. And I do hope, which was suggested by my friend who just returned on a carnival cruise, that all these cruise ships and all these vacation uh, businesses that benefit from this beautiful island country that they support it and get it back up and running if you pull into Nassau Bahamas and it got ravaged by uh, you know if that's your port of call that you regularly pull into and drop tourists off to spend money do more of that help them I'm sure that they will I'd like to think that they they certainly will because it's in their best uh, interest to do so um my heart goes out to anybody who has been affected by this hurricane or will be, and it's hurricane season, you know. So obviously we got these a lot of energy out there in this Mother Earth right now. A lot of it's a warmer, warmer um, world, and that's energy. If I'm a little storm scurrying around out there, and I pick up some energy in the form of heat, in the form of warm oceans. 
I'll grow and I'll freaking spin around and decimate things. That's what hurricanes do. Can't blame, you know, Mother Nature. We're kind of, we're, leave our, we've got some blood on our hands here. Some people feel like and assert that the earth is beyond, like we couldn't possibly influence the earth you know, one way or the other, that it's just indifferent and it's too large of an ecosystem, but clearly we have an impact on our environment on sm in small and large ways, and these hurricanes are contributed to by our footprint, man's footprint, on this, on this earth. Fossil fuel burning, etc., etc. So, I don't know what we're going to do, but a lot of people are going to suffer in the meantime. The very freaking large and in charge vacation, vacations. Uh, hurricanes spinning around out there. Serious shit. And I think, I ponder how um, this place that friends of mine have just sailed to and stood on the docks and toured around ate and drank and stood on the beaches and waded in the waters, how they were just there. These people were just, they just had their feet in the, their toes in the sand in these exotic places on vacation. And now a lot of, a good part of these, uh, the Bahamas are underwater. It's very scary, and it's very sad, and it's a very small world. Got a little Honeycrisp apple here. Pardon me. Honeycrisps are in season. I talked to some, you know, talked to some other people, so off the hurricane thing, I wish everybody well. I have family down there in Florida. I wish them um, safety and health. In these hurricanes and uh, this one, Dorian and, and any ones that come down the friggin' pike. I'll leave you with this because I'm almost home. I was reading this post today from a friend. She's a motivator, entrepreneur, big into personal development, friend of mine. She pointed out a recent Serena Williams quote, and she just won her match in the U.S. Open, I guess it was, or whatever tennis tournament. I don't, I don't follow tennis, but I did while eating in a Jersey Mike subs over the weekend, having a little bite, a little tuna and Swiss, lettuce, tomato, mayo, a little bit of mayo, extra onion. I'm looking at their TV, and there's Serena up there, and I was. She looked like she was struggling a little bit. She had a young Croatian woman who she was playing with against who might even, I don't even know if she was, you know, how old she was, but she looked very youthful and very athletic, and Serena looked powerful, but she looked like um, a woman in her 30s. I think she's in her 30s or mid-30s, maybe older than that. She's an icon in the in this sport of tennis, and uh, the 
you know, very accomplished, won all kinds of friggin' championships, and, um, has done so much, made a ton of money, right, sponsorships, all that shit, so obviously very special individual, along with her sister, Venus, Serena's out there playing, she looked like she, I, I, it was hard to read her, again, not being so familiar with the sport, but it looked like she was taking, you know, she's being challenged significantly. Turns out that, you know, we had to leave. I scarfed down my tuna and cheese. She won the match. And so she was being interviewed by some newscaster who said, yeah, you know, Serena, you're, you're a legend in the sport. You're an icon in, in our society for your competition, your spirit, your, you're a mom, you're an entrepreneur, um, yet you're out here being challenged and all these young competitors want to take you out, how do you deal with all this pressure? And she said, she replied, um, what the fuck did she reply? She said, the pressure is a privilege It's a privilege to be under this pressure. Like, she appreciates, she's grounded. She understands that she's been in the sport a long time and other people are going to come along and they're going to eventually beat her and she, at some point she's going to hang, hang up her rackets. Right? It's just an eventuality and I think she's dealt with that already. Like, she still has a hunger to win and compete, and that's why she's there, she doesn't really have to do any more in the sport, but she's the one that everybody wants to dethrone, it's a privilege for her to still be competing, to still be relevant in our society where once somebody loses or, you know, something new comes along, we discard them, and I thought that that was wonderful, it's wonderful, obviously the rest of us, most of us aren't rich and powerful and icons in our sport, but we still can take a lesson away from that, and that it's, you know, the pressure that we often feel in our lives, regardless of what it has to do with, maybe it has to do with our job, well, we're fortunate to have a job, we're privileged to be in that position to earn a living, Um, you know, running back and forth in our society, kids' Uh, activities and sports and school and commitments, well, you know, we could always lessen our load there, but we're privileged to have a family and to have kids that are involved in things and that are developing themselves in positive ways. That kids are going to school and they're learning and they're yearning to, you know, they're growing. We're privileged to have these problems, right? Because, you know, only a couple thousand miles away, a couple hours by air travel, there are segments of our society that have lost everything in some sort of natural disaster or famine or fires or hurricanes. And it's interesting that here we are We're privileged to be 
in the position that we're currently at. We are privileged to have these burdens of going to work and earning a living and you know going to school and learning. And we'll bitch and moan about things. We will, you know, uh, sometimes things become overwhelming. But we are privileged. We are fortunate to have some of these struggles. And we should embrace the things, put things in perspective, and ultimately embrace some of these challenges or commitments that we are faced with. Isn't that interesting? That parts of our society are underwater right now, or they're being threatened. And in Pennsylvania or wherever, things are okay. You know, it's back to school and uh, you know, falls here and everybody's back to the grind and schedules and all right, oh, there's a hurricane down there. It's not like we don't care, but we don't have, it's not our, our predicament right now. It's not our situation. I just think that's so interesting. Reminds me of, you know, similar natural disasters like, you know, 9-11's coming up next week. For a year, a couple years, five years, a decade maybe. Five years, I'd say, three to five years. Time stood still and everybody reco recollected that day when towers were hit by those planes and all this shit. And every year this time you start to see stuff on it and never forget. But we do forget. It's just human nature for us to, all right, on to the next task. Fortunately, we have a relatively short memory. Otherwise, we would be so downtrodden we'd never get anything done. I think about my goals, you know, the things that I want to do in my life and the, the time that I spend focusing on these things and trying to improve myself and if I find something that works for me, that works for my family, then I continue to do more of that. I think that that's, typic that's typical, you know? If you're successful, you stay on that path. Ride it until you can't ride it anymore. You know? Sometimes things can get redundant and overwhelming, and that's life, man. It's interesting like that. I'll see patients coming in the office, some young people, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, it's stressful, just a lot going on. I said, I wish I could tell you it gets better. <laughs> but a lot of life is, um, is painful like that. It's uncomfortable. So some of these motivators, like a David Goggins or whatever, another friend of mine listens to him a lot. I think he's great. He would say that... We need to be get used to being uncomfortable. We need to do the, do what we hate. 
because we take the power away when we do that, and it's a very interesting concept. Definitely needs to be more of that in our society. I think about my students that I've just met this fall semester, getting to know them and receiving the same familiar questions. When are the exams? How does this work? You know, so on and so forth. It's the same shit that I've seen for five, six years in a row now. I'm used to it. I think about them and the things that they consider challenging, the things that they are strapped, tasked with. However, on Tuesday, I teach Tuesday and Thursday, I asked them, hey, you know, how's everybody doing? How's everybody's weekend? Beautiful weekend. Hey, does anybody know anybody in harm's way down there in the path of this hurricane? And most of them are like, oh, they just, we're not focused on that. We're focused on this class and what I need to learn and one of the exams and how am I going to stay in this program and I want to be a nurse, I want to be a doctor, or be an occupational therapist, whatever. That's what they're focusing on right now. Reminds me of this quote. Shit. Something along the lines of, where the focus goes, your energy flows. And how true is that, right? Our, our focus. Where the focus goes, the energy flows. And I had a friend, a good friend, tell me today. I don't know. You know sometimes he self-deprecating. You know, His kids are raised. They're off. They're through college. relationships that count are successful, have been successful, and he's you know, just kind of a little cynical, and he just wants to just kind of, I don't know, it feels like his work is done, that's what I, that's what I hear, he feels like his work is done, he's been successful on many fronts, despite being imperfect, being an imperfect individual, having some flaws, having made some mistakes, that's fucking life, right? Well, we all can say that. Hopefully the mistakes are not something that we can't recover from, can't learn from them and, uh, and drive on. Build a better mousetrap. I think in his case, he, he has been able to do that. Hope you all taste the same degree of success. You should all be so fortunate, you know. So, but the question is, when you're in, you know, when you're you're past midlife and you're an empty nester, and you've met and all these challenges and all these rites of passage that society that are important in our society, you know, roof over your head, food on the table, job, you know, with the ability to earn, support your family get your kids off to school, educate them, make sure they're solid individuals, retire at some point, finally smell the roses, right, that whole myth, what do you do then, when you've done so much, and you've, you've made, you've, you've been success, tasted success, 
how do you refocus at that point and find your next niche or your make a game, gamify life in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, I had a, one of my oldest patients the other day come in and um, she said, yeah, I'm on my way out. And every year this family, they go, uh, this couple, they're in their freaking 90s. They still drive to my office. They're cute as buttons. Every year, multiple times a year sometimes, they go on these cruises. And they look forward to that. And they still go. Every year they're like, they'll say to me, or and probably everybody else who will listen, yeah, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to be going this year. And that They've been saying that for 10 years. 15 years that I've known them. I don't know if I still got it. I don't know if I should go. I don't can't do anything anymore. And she said the other day, I'm on my, I think I'm on my way out. She might be right. She's been in this body for 90 years, experienced so much. We never want to see human uh, quitting. It's something that is contrary to human nature. You know, we want to see that spark. We want to see people. You know, as a, as Dr. Drill's making motivation, I want to give people a part of my spark. I want to give them, you know, if their flame were to waver or blow out or needs fuel, I'd like to think I'm the type of individual that's going to reach over and pull some of my flame, which has been an inferno for a long time. I mean, it's been kind of like my precedent. I want to, I want to burn brightly. I want to make a difference. I want to be there for people. I want to take, reach into my inferno and pull out a spark, pull out a little ember and give it to somebody else and and have them blow on it and reignite their fuel, their fire, give them that that which they desire. A little Metallica reference there. But you can't stand in somebody else's shoes. You might listen to them and look at them and hear them out and say, they'll say, okay, well, this is where I'm at in my life. And uh, you always want to help. I had another friend today had an issue passing a test. You know, this test stands between her and practicing uh, healthcare, essentially. And she didn't score well on it. She's challenged in this area. She feels like she knows her stuff and the test doesn't reflect what she knows. And it's can't look at the answers once you're done it's all computerized now and so it's frustrating it's it's hard to put yourself I mean I've been in those shoes I understand the stress involved with becoming you know passing these exams and making the grade and rites of passage and sometimes you just you know you want to tell them uh, be hopeful this is what you do how can I help what can we do stay motivated you know grind it out embrace the suck but it sure as hell doesn't feel good when you're in this particular predicament yourself, right? It sucks. And I don't know what the best thing for somebody to hear is. You know, they want positivity. They want uh, an ex- hand extended to help. Do they want somebody to believe in them, to make them laugh, to, um, to help them in some way? I think the best, better part of our society... If there's somebody who's downtrodden or who's looking for their spark, that most of us would reach out and try to help them, try to encourage them. 
So it's interesting. It's an interesting world right now, my friends. I wish you all the brightest burning ember. And all you got to do is blow on it a little bit, nurture it a little bit, provide it some fuel, and reignite your flame. It's as simple as that. Well, it's, it's not simple in a way, though. Because you ever seen one of the, have you ever seen one of these uh, surviving in the wilderness, alone in the wilderness, whatever these uh, naked in the in the and afraid or whatever the fuck they call it, naked in the wilderness, and people actually make fire from sticks and cotton wool or dryer lint or whatever the fuck these survivalists, right? People could still do that. You look at the effort somebody puts into that, like the Boy Scouts, when they create a, a bow and a, a, a the bow method of of building a fire. If the materials are present, you can do it. But it's fucking challenging, man. And before you've done it once, it seems like it's impossible, right? Rubbing a stick together. What are you going to rub two sticks together? It's like a uh, Like a um, like a parody or something. It's an ism. It's so, so cliche. It's like, what are you going to rub two? Might as well rub two sticks together. It's like an exercise in futility. But once you've done it and you rub those sticks together and they're the right type of sticks and they're dry and you got a, you know, you can shield it yourself from the wind and you can create that little ember. You can grow that into something, a fucking inferno. And I wish that for everybody. I, I think that life is about that ember within us, that spark, the all spark of the Transformers, animates the Transformers, right, in the movies. And it's constantly, sometimes our flame goes out. But as long as there is a tiny little ember, a little spark, we have to believe and know that we can reignite it. And we, our flame can burn brightly. And that's all I got to say today.